There we go. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. I, I was looking forward to speaking with you today. Not uh, unlike the usual when you're just dreading it. Uh, yeah, you know, when I'm getting all of the uh, amazing pictures you're sending me all the time. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I was like, was that George Costanza, like, in the underwear? <laughs> it was. <laughs> I was like, it's I remember that episode. <laughs> oh, man, that was, uh, that's a classic, man. That's a that's one of my favorites. George trying to, George thinking he's getting signals from the uh, <laughs> film development girl. <laughs> it ends up... Uh, Ends up get <laughs> ends up. There's a, a a big hunky gay guy who develops the photos instead and gets <laughs> gets signals from George. It's classic. It's classic. <laughs> For those of you guys don't know, Simon and I are on a mean texting streak <laughs> these days. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to tell him that his. Most recent album, Eos. I'm a big fan, and of course, sitting on uh, on a rainbow, I'm like, was like losing it when I'm listening to it. It was amazing. Man, that is so funny. I I, I told you via text this, but you know, just like when I was putting that track together, I wanted two things out of it. I wanted it to be very dynamic. Well, first of all, the way that I had written that song has nothing, almost nothing to do with the way the song was recorded. Mm -hmm. I originally started writing that song. It was just a silly joke to my daughter, Rainbow. And, um, and it was just kind of like a, kind of like a, a joyful little, you know, Diddy that maybe the Muppets would sing, Yeah, you know, sitting on a rainbow <laughs> kind of a deal. And um, anyway, obviously that wouldn't have worked with the aesthetic of the album. Yeah. So I thought, well, how can I, how can I, so I wanted a couple of things that I wanted it to be extremely dynamic, have this extreme quiet moments and then extreme big, loud, wide huge moments and uh so anyway it, when you're trying to push things to extremes like that it's really difficult at least for me within my own work to just know this is working even if it's working for me like does it work for somebody else is somebody else going to put their headphones on and they're gonna be like man this is too quiet and then then they're blown away and their ears are and they're annoyed by it instead of moved by it yeah <laughs> there's a moment it, in a man. tom Waits. oh I'm, I'm glad of that there's a moment in a tom waits album um where in between songs all of a sudden there's just an explosion of static noise yeah. louder than the songs and it's just like this terrible joke i've never looked it up i never i i, I don't know what was the motivation behind putting this burst of explosive static noise between songs? But it's one of my favorite albums, and I always prepare myself. I was like, oh, here it comes, and I take my headphones off. <laughs> and I let the... <laughs> so, it's, uh, so it, um, 
anyway, I didn't want people to have that reaction to uh, sitting on a rainbow necessarily. I, I just so anyway, it, it was a. Uh, I was laughing, you know. I told you in the text. I was laughing to Shannon, my wife, you know, telling her, "Man, this just shows you I have no idea what people are gonna like." <laughs> exactly. I just have no freaking idea. I'd be the. I feel like I would be a great label executive because I have. I feel like I have good tastes. Mm-hmm. But I can't account for anybody else's tastes, apparently, because I have no because <laughs> I think something's brilliant. Somebody else is like, I don't know, man. And I think I don't know if this is going to work. And people are like, oh, this is the greatest thing you've ever done. <laughs> that was my impression. Of Seriously, Darian, everybody. Man. This is the greatest thing ever done. This is the greatest thing ever done. <laughs> I'm listening to it in my car. I'm driving. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm going to take time. I'm going to listen to EOS. You know, I got like a half an hour little drive. I'm gonna, I'm gonna listen. I'm listening to it. I'm like, okay, I'm listening, and uh, I love the first song. I spe- uh, the other one I requested. What's it called again? Uh, Faithen. Faithen. I was like, oh, I like how this comes on. This is like reminded me of uh, Radiohead a little bit. Ooh, and nice. I love Radiohead. It's like one of my. I'm. It's just up there for me, and yeah. uh, and then I'm listening. I said, oh, this other stuff sounds really good, and then. Sitting on a rainbow was like what got me was the the beginning sounds and this kind of like weird rhythmic sound that happens in the beginning, mm. and it reminded me of Dark Side of the Moon, and Ooh. one of the songs on there maybe it was Breathe or something or you know, kind of the computerish sound, yeah. and I'm like a sucker for that. Like you want to know what I like? I'm a sucker for those sounds. Like I'm like. Yeah. I'm like a big Tron guy. I want to hear like my life's like an electronic robot in a dream type of thing. That's kind of like me in a nutshell. I love you that. Know? Yeah, I love that. You know, that was kind of one of the challenges of this album. I wanted to write songs, um, and some of them I, I, I admittedly had been written already. I'd never done anything with them. This album is songs that I've written either very recently or a really long time ago, such as within the first month my kid has been born, such as such is the case with, uh, there's a song on the album called 40 Years in the Desert, You're My Moses. Yes, very good song. Thanks. Uh, I, you know, I wrote that in the first month of my son Moses's life, and he's just lying, he's sleeping uh, next to me, and I just pick up the guitar and I write this song. And... Man, so aesthetically, there's a lot of things that I wanted to accomplish with this album. Obviously, I was I was trying to do kind of a shoegaze dream pop thing. Whether or not I really succeeded in that, you know, people will have to be the judge of. But uh, all of these, most of these songs, at least, started out on acoustic guitar, and they were written in a way that. Probably a lot of people would have preferred I just sang them on acoustic guitar. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know, but, man. I like it the way they are. I... Well, thanks. You know, but that was the, the idea of like, okay, how can I bring these into the electronic world? How can I bring these into the electric guitar world? How can I bring these into this kind of dreamscape um, world? Not only that, but have them... Because this is called Eos, and Eos is the goddess of the dawn, I'm trying to make everything, give everything kind of this hazy, fuzzy thing, 
which was kind of the inspiration to make this uh, a dream pop album because there's a lot of aesthetics that go into there, like putting reverbs through distortion and things like that, which are kind of the uh, some hallmarks of that shoegaze dream pop sound. So I thought well, this is perfect, I, you know, for for this kind of thing. So, uh, but a song like that, um, you know, you're my Moses, and I and I kept acoustic guitar in there. I played the whole thing on twelve string in the song there's a 12 string guitar going through the entire thing but then it's surrounded by these washed out electric you know things <laughs> happening uh, uh to them um so it was yeah it was a, it was a that, those were some goals uh, keeping it some of the songs kind of grounded um with that acoustic guitar sound sometimes and then at the same time you know, trying to give them an ethereal feel with all that distorted reverb and all these kind of things. Um, it was, it was, it was one of these albums that I was truly, and I, and I've been accomplishing this. I feel like throughout this project, you know, I told you uh, a couple albums back, um, which album is it's called, um, who knows what my albums are called. Is it weeping candles? <laughs> well, it's not, there was one before that one. Well, Oh my gosh, we're getting so deep with these albums, man. I, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, no, what I'm, one are I'm, we on? <laughs> I'm going into my. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. <It's>, um, <laughs> oh, postmodern idolaters. Yes, that one. So the postmodern idolaters album, I had gone for a very specific aesthetic of using a single microphone to record just about everything, and everything's being recorded in mono, even though things get kind of pushed into stereo. Um, but every source is recorded in, in, in mono on a single ribbon microphone, the same technology that would have existed in the, in the fifties, uh, when, you know, sun studios and that kind of thing. So I, I really wanted to try and capture that kind of a feel. And in the same way in this album, um, you know, I wasn't recording it that way. Obviously, it's a totally different thing. And in that different thing, I was trying to push everything to its sonic limits before things completely fall apart. Right. And I was laughing with somebody recently when I was talking to them about this. I said, I think sometimes I jump the shark a little bit and things just kind of might maybe fall apart. <laughs> you know? Um one song in particular, I think my my some weird stuff happens on my voice. It's uh Electrona, uh, mm -hmm. which is subtitled Sweet Lina. Yep. Um, in the verse, you can hear it, I think, the best. And just like some weird, phasey things are happening to my voice because I'm I'm yeah. pushing the electronics, you know, the microphones and the preamps and the compressors, I'm pushing them as far as I can get them to go before, like I say, things really start to sound terrible. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And then once I get it into the mixing process, I'm then pushing it again through, uh, you know, whatever, you know, effects I'm using on the vocal or whatever kinds of, uh, um, I, on this album, especially I used a lot of modeling technology. So plugins within the software that are modeled after hardware technology to try and give them mm -hmm. that, uh, that analog sound. Um, which is really funny because everything was recorded analog to begin with, but now I'm trying to get it to even be more analog, <laughs> you know? Wow. And so, but everything, 
even if you don't hear it, you know, necessarily notice it in, in the mix, pretty much everything in this album is distorted. Even the, the sound of the cleanest guitars in there, if you were to solo them out, you would hear their, dis- their, their distorted qualities uh, because I just pushed all of these elements to their breaking point, basically. Um, so that was a huge experimental kind of a thing for me. I'd never really tried to do that with everything. Normally there's like maybe an element within the mix, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to push this thing, but this one, this time it was like, no, I'm going to push everything into the red and see how far in the red I can go before it just sounds like garbage. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't, Beautiful album, though, man. I'm trying to tell you, maybe my favorite of all the ones. Thank you, man. That Honestly. is really that is really awesome. Um, I, I've only shared this with maybe two other people so far, and one of them actually came back with uh, that same feedback and, and told me this was their their favorite so far. And I was honestly really surprised by that because, like I say, I don't know what people like. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly and <laughs> and just trying to push everything sonically into the red like that, I wasn't sure. So be you know, so many time constraints with this. This was one album that I really kind of wished I would have um, had the time to pass this off to a, a, a another mastering engineer. I see. Instead of doing that part of it myself. Uh, I had really struggled with the mixes to to with all that experimentation to try and get them to a point where I thought, you know, because that goal was to push everything into the red, but make that distortion sound beautiful. That was kind of the whole thing, like the the haze of the early morning before the sun is up, but everything kind of has that, you know, hazy quality. That's really what I was trying to go for in that distortion uh in everything so i wanted it to still be beautiful i want that was the whole goal is to make a beautiful album but make it distorted and hazy and you know (laughs) so so anyway but i really wished it you know as i was as i was doing the mastering myself and i was uh going you know finishing the tracks and everything and i was going through and i was kind of listening to things and i thought man this would have really benefited probably more than any other album I've done so far in this project, this would have really benefited by passing it on to somebody else and saying, here, master this for me, make it, <laughs> make all my boo-boos sound better. <laughs> You're so hard on yourself about it. I mean, this is like really well done, dude. I mean, it's like, I was really into it, man. I mean, I, and I would say before that, you know, Erebus was my favorite because I just really like sci-fi sounding stuff. I'm like a junkie for yeah weird sounding music and i was like this is a great follow-up to this like i gotten used to not hearing your voice because of the last one you know where there was just and i was <laughs> and like, like oh he's back he's back <laughs> i mean i hear your voice doing this and stuff and then you know i was like oh this is like this is he's back this is great <laughs> <laughs> well the voice that's missing unfortunately from this album is danelle um, right, she doesn't right. make an appearance on this album, which is really unfortunate, but things just didn't line up. So too many things were happening. You know, yeah. Portland's been on fire. Um, you know, so our schedules 
prior to that just weren't lining up and then the fires happened and and in fact actually a, a lot of my studios filled with some of her family's stuff because they were in an area that was potentially going to have to be evacuated luckily they weren't uh luckily they're they're safe but um but i have like their <laughs> <laughs> their, their family photo albums. I have two big oh, things of wow. family photo albums of hers. So anyway, it didn't. It just didn't work out to have her on this album, and, and, and that's something that I really miss when I listen to it because I had anticipated her voice being there, and I thought, oh man, this it's just me now. But we had laughed a lot about it because once again, one of the aesthetics I was, I was going for uh, because these are songs. Uh, that I've written for my children, a lot of them were were really meant to be lullabies. And I wanted to have kind of a, you know, that soft, um, delicate tone. And I didn't want it to be perfect. I wanted it to sound like a parent singing to their child, uh, which isn't going to sound like a professional singing to an audience. So I left a lot of, you know, a little flat note here, a little sharp note here, you know, and I just left them there. I was like, that's the take. That's what I'm leaving in there. And when I sent some of these tracks to Danelle, she's like, I don't know how I'm going to harmonize to this. Yeah. <laughs> she's She's got perfect pitch, you know. So when she hears me go flat or sharp or something, she's like, ooh, it's just painful. It's nails on the chalkboard <laughs> to her. But I told her, this is it. This is what I want. So uh, deal with it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's been an incredible journey, you know, five albums so far. I was actually spent a lot of time talking about this whole thing with uh, my wife last night. She was oh, like, man. you keep doing that. You're, I feel like you're always talking to Simon, you know. <laughs> this is a good thing, by the way. She's like, your episodes come up so quickly. I said, are you telling me? I, I look at my calendar. I'm like, oh, we're back again. You know, Isn't and, it funny? Uh, whew, you, it feels like it was our, a week Our ago. conversations is like the one of the deadlines for me. Right. Like, well, I know I'm talking to Darian, so <laughs> I have to get the album done before that date that, that we're <laughs> recording the podcast so he can listen Great. to the album. I add more so, stress to your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's helping me keep on task. I just, I'm just very honored to be kind of part of, I kind of look at it as like, I'm, I, I was texting you about this show raised by wolves on HBO max. I'm loving it. Yeah. And they have an, a, a corresponding podcast that comes out the same day that a new episode comes out every week. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh, we're doing the same thing. Except it's every month, you know, and it's like something very uh, deep for me about it. And I wanted to take this journey with you on some level because you inspire me. This is inspiring to me. And I want to be a part of inspiring projects. So that's how I feel about it. Well, thank you so much. I feel like this is the the correct use of the word synergy right here. Yeah. You know, yeah. because because I'm equally inspired by you. I've 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 told you um, you know, there's been a few episodes that I've I've gotten back to you about, uh one of which the first one that comes to mind is the episode with your your brother. Um, yeah. which you know, I, I could of course deeply relate to. Yes. Uh having been in this game, you know, for the last twenty years, this music game. Um, and, and 20 years ago, having big aspirations to being a big touring musician, mm -hmm. and then you start a family and, and, you know, you, you know, things happen and you're just like, oh, maybe actually being a big touring musician isn't what I want after all. Right. You know, maybe, 
maybe I still want to be a music creator and I still want to be a, a an artist in that way, but I, I, I actually just want to be home with my kids, <laughs> you know? So, so it, it was a conversation that I could really relate to and, and get into and, and, uh, and, and reflect on it. And I actually had a couple of conversations about that particular podcast episode with my wife and, and different things that I had taken away from it. So I, anyway, I feel like you and I are, are just, you know, journeying together. We're inspiring each other. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that's just a great, wonderful thing, especially, um, because we're not doing the same thing. So my point in, in saying that is that it's so great to be inspired by somebody who's not in your wheelhouse. Yes. So you're not, you know, some guitar player that I'm like, wow, I want to be like you. Right. No, but you are an artist and a creator of a completely different sort that I'm inspired yeah. by. And and I just really appreciate that. I'm. Those are the type of people that I, you know, one of the artists that I follow on Instagram, she does these amazing chalk uh depictions of glaciers that's like her whole thing and she does them all with her hands her fingers and 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 you would not believe the realism that she captures with chalk <laughs> it's just mm. i'm so blown away by it wow. every single time and sometimes I just go on her uh, Instagram page and I just look at her artwork and that inspires me, you know, yeah. it inspires me to create. It inspires me with uh, just deep guttural feelings that makes me want to create my next quote unquote masterpiece, you know? Yes. <laughs> All the creators <laughs> I think have to create together on some level and, for me, I'm, I'm just, you know, yeah, if somebody does a podcast, I do a podcast. I'm like, oh, that's really good. But often I'm very influenced by things that have nothing to do with me. So, you know, I like talking to musicians, artists, poets, whatever the creation is, the canvas, it's inspiring to me. And then if like, like I really like the person, the bonus, if I really like them, I always want to do something <laughs> with them. I'm yeah. like, how come, I don't know what it is, but we have to do something. That's what happened in our first episode. I'm listening to you tell me about this, this daunting task, which are five albums in. And I'm like, I need to be a part of this. I need to figure out how to be a part of this. I am into this level of greatness and aspiration and creativity. So I just like insert myself into things. <laughs> that's oh, what we got to do something together yeah we're doing it yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what it is i think and i think you and i you know we, we've we've established you and i have a lot of similarities you know we yes. we we enjoy a lot of the same things but i think one of the the just the key principles here is that we're both very curious people mm -hmm. i was just talking to a friend of mine recently who's um going back to school uh, it's really interesting because she's, you know, she's married. She 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 has a daughter now. School wasn't her thing when she was younger, but now she's realizing that she really wants to go back to school. She really wants to learn all this stuff, and so she's she's starting to take classes. She's down in California, and the fires are three miles away from her house, and she's trying to study. Right, <laughs> you right. know. <laughs> um, 
But when she told me that, she told me that she's going to school. And, and I said, you know, that I think that's one of the, the reasons that her friendship and mine is, is such a good one. And I think the same thing for, for you and I, Darian, is that we're curious people. Curious people are endlessly fascinating. Yes. You know, no, nothing, nothing, you know, excites me more than just a curious person. I think that's what, one of the things that, you know, having five kids run around my house is so invigorating and I just love it so much because of their endless curiosity and their endless questions. Yeah. You know, just you, you can never get to the bottom of the bucket of their questions. Mm. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and so they're just wonderful people to be around. So, but then when you talk to somebody, and this happens on social media all the time, right? You talk to somebody, they already know everything. Right. They already know everything about, you know, the political situation that's happening. They already know everything about, you know, whether it's global warming or not, you know, the, and they're just there to teach the rest of us. Well, those people aren't very interesting at all. Right. And none of us want to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, when adults are curious, it's very, it throws me off um, because I'm not used to it. And so when somebody tells me, I, I can remember when um, Shannon was like, oh yeah, you should talk to my husband. He's he's doing this really interesting project, 12 albums in 12 months. I was like, what, what, come again? What? <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to talk to this guy. You know, like for me, I I run towards the kind of outside the box thinking kind of this, I don't know, it's just kind of something for me that I really enjoy. And then again, I, I kind of have to say this again, if I end up liking the person, because that's a different thing for me. I can be very into their art and maybe not into them as a person so much. Yes. I'm like, oh, yes. okay, this is cool. I'm into this. But, you know, you just kind of know, I was just telling my wife last night, we're having this big talk. And I said, the funny thing is, uh, I rarely find people who I'm very into 80s movies with. Like, that's not a thing. It's true, <laughs> Can you man. Imagine if we lived in the same town. No, it'd be, be like, like watching movie Iron night Eagle every, every week. Chappy! And I'm like, I'm like totally into it. And I'm like, oh, I said, oh, I met another person who's totally into this. Michelle was like, oh, gosh. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you did help talk me off a cliff this week when no I Quarterman, when I Alan Quartermain, yeah. no way, man. <laughs> you know what I'm learning with you is you're you'll dive back into these bad movies just to kind of like, well, did I miss something here? I'm like, promise you, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> that is the thing, though. I will. You're right, and that's that's part of my I, I guess childlike curiosity, <laughs> where. You know, I, I will just go back and watch something or, or I don't know, I'll just revisit something just to see if there was anything worth getting out of it or if there's, you know, just, just what, whatever it might be. I, I, I'm just really what, just that curiosity within me. I'm just like, I liked this when I was a kid. Why? Why did I? <laughs> Why in the world? <laughs> Did eight-year-old Simon like this? Yeah, and uh, I get that. 
I totally get that. But when you sent, you know, the Alan Quarterman, I, I was like, oh my gosh, I forgot this art for this, like the cover of this thing, man. And then I'm like, this was a terrible movie. <laughs> you know what's funny? And I was telling my kids this, you know, because we we were actually, when I sent you that, it was my, my kids and I were looking for a movie to watch. And um, what did we end up on? Uh Maybe we ended up on City Slickers that night. Oh, okay. I like that. That's a good one. Yeah, it's I good. love that one. Uh, but anyway, we're just going through these movies. And, and, uh, I, but I laughed when I got to that one. And they're just like, what? Is that, is that a good one? And I said, no, guys. Even young me knew <laughs> that this was a bad movie when I watched it. You know, young me didn't know that the first one was bad. <laughs> The uh, what, what King Solomon's Mines? Yes. Young me didn't even realize that that was a spoof. <laughs> okay, you know that's that's how naive we are in our childhood. It's true. I'm equating that on the same level as Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh wow! I'm just thinking these are the same good quality adventure movies. You know, as oh. as a young kid. You know, and because we're all stupid when we're kids. Yeah, your then child you get older, mind. You know. Yeah, and then you get older and you realize, oh, one of these is made-for-TV-level spoof, yeah, and the other one is <laughs> a legendary film. <laughs> That's a, You know what it's like? The other day, I was scrolling through and I saw the movie Rad was available. <laughs> I know you know what this is, man. Oh, I, I Nobody else know knows this stuff. By the way, the soundtrack <laughs> was killer, man. Send me an angel yeah. all over it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and I was like... Do I really want to watch this BMX bike movie with like Bart Connor <laughs> like <laughs> as like the villain? And I was like, or I could watch Jim Cotta. <laughs> like, oh man. I watched neither. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> no. Yeah, there's certain movies where you're just like, no, I can't, I can't do it. Oh, you know what? We actually ended up watching that night. I, I forgot. We, you know, we've watched a couple of movies this week. That our school got postponed from mm-hmm. starting the, uh, because of the fires. So we've been watching movies every night, and it's been fun uh, because I've just been going on and finding old movies, you know, that I liked. So anyway, that night we watched Star Trek Two. Oh, nice! And the kids were asking me, "Do, do, do we need to watch Star Trek One before we watch?" I said, "No, nobody needs to watch Star Trek the, the motion picture." <laughs> You really don't. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I, and it's really funny because following that, you know, two, three, and four, you do need to watch the previous one, kind of, maybe not four, but two and three, especially, you know, you need to watch those sequentially. Um, but uh, anyway, I, I was telling him that it's like, I, and I told him, I'm not saying Star Trek the motion picture is by any means a bad movie, but you guys will fall asleep during <laughs> you know it's it is not an exciting movie let's just say that yeah um but it's interesting to go back to those kind that kind of filmmaking because today's style of filmmaking is so different where everything's just quick and everything just the story has to move 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 and these movies take their time and they really feel slow star trek 2 the wrath of khan i mean it spends the first like 45 minutes just setting everything up. Yeah. Can you imagine 
a modern day audience like you know no having <laughs> having the patience for that for something that's supposed to be kind of like an a sci-fi adventure yeah you know for the yeah. first 45 minutes there's really not much adventure going on it's just people you know who are moping about because they're it's their birthday <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know so <laughs> No, it's a different fil- kind of filmmaking, and I really appreciate that. And, um, you know, taking that back, you know, actually I find a lot of, I guess that's how I relate in, in with my own music. And I, I guess my own music will probably never feel modern hmm. because of that kind of a thing. I, I, I'm never in a rush to get anywhere with my, mu- <laughs> my music. <laughs> <laughs> I never feel the need for a hook. <laughs> All right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sitting there trying to like come up with the catchiest hook on guitar. You know, oh, I is this that. melody catchy enough? I get that. You know, yeah. You know? <laughs> I've discovered that, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's a good thing. I think that's why I'm very attracted to these albums because I'm like, I don't want the same thing. I want something that's. I guess I relate to that. I I I try to make my podcast like that. Like I don't want the same. I don't want a jingle, and somebody going, yeah. "Welcome to Doctor D's so- Social Network Podcast," where you blah blah blah, and then here's the thing. I'm like, oh, throw a little music here, a little something here. Like on this episode, I'm not even going to do an intro. I'm just going to play "Sitting on a Rainbow," and then it's going to fade into you and I talking. That's it. Just, Brilliant. Just keep it, it different. I don't want it to be the same. And I'll yeah. like. And you have to create in a way that, to me, feels native to you, and you just can't care what other people think about it. You just got to do it, you know? I like that, you know, and and that's, um, <clears throat> when you do that, it opens up your possibilities. Yes. You know, um, especially for, for people like yourself and, and myself who are, like we've said, curious so when you're curious, you're not pigeonholing yourself. You're not saying, this is what I am. Um, you know, uh, philosophers such as Soren Kierkegaard would have called that the eternal human versus, you know, this, this is the eternal soul. It's ever evolving. So who you are today might not be who you are tomorrow. Who you are this episode might not be who you are next episode. Correct. And so when you do that, you open up the doors to being able to, to just freely explore and create and, and do whatever comes, comes naturally to you in the next moment. Yeah. And, um, could be anything. Yeah. It really could. <laughs> and literally it could be, and I could, you know, I'm like, eh, put this out, put that out. I want people to be, I don't want them to get comfortable with what I'm produce, producing. Yeah, like it's just you know whatever I'm feeling that day, and and I'm creating in a vacuum for me. You know, I get done with an episode, I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know, maybe I want to start the episode like mid conversation with somebody. There you go. I don't know. Yeah, you, you know? know, maybe twenty minutes <laughs> in. You know, it's not like the twenty minutes was a waste. It's just that I didn't. I just wanted to do something different. Honestly, it is really just that. You know. Yeah. Exactly. You know, my uh, in in a conversation recently. When I was telling somebody about this album EOS and telling them that I wasn't even sure if if what I was doing 
you know, was making the songs better or worse sometimes. And they found that profoundly interesting because they said, I thought artists, when they did something, they did it because they were convinced that this was, you know, the best of their abilities or whatnot. And I said, maybe. I, I think everybody's different. So there, there, there is definitely the type of artist out there who every time they approach whatever canvas is their medium, that they are trying to create the thing that is the absolute pinnacle of their technical ability, artistic vision, all those kinds of things. And then there's probably a lot of artists out there who are like you and I, there's like, you know, this might not be the best thing I've ever done, but I'm curious about what I can do with this. Exactly. I'm curious about what will happen if I do this. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what effect it will have on me and what effect it will have on other people. Uh, we're our own lab rats, our own guinea pigs. Yeah. You know, we're just experimenting on ourselves <clears throat> and on our medium. Yeah. That's why for me, I feel like eh, when I, I'm like, okay, we're having our next conversation. I have no clue what's coming next and for our next album for Simon. And uh, <laughs> but it's exciting because I know I'm going to get something different. I, I don't know how it's going to sound, but that's stimulating for me. You know, and uh, so that I'm, I'm here to stimulate. That. You are here to stimulate. <laughs> you know. Hey, by the way, have you watched that series Cobra Kai? Have you watched it? My kids and I, over the last month, have watched both seasons. Listen, uh, so yeah, we it, we finished it about a week ago. We finished season two about a week ago. He's watching. I gotta Iron say Eagle. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, I so, thought of you, man. So well, that's so funny because my kids would ask. They were asking, "Is that movie Iron Eagle really good?" And I was like, "No, no, it's not good at all." The part two. But I, did you know that there's like at least four of them? No. Yeah, there's at least four of them. Lou Gossett, what? I think, is in all of them. No. Hey, man, it's a paycheck. Yeah, I I thought after two it was completely over. I thought after one it was over. I was like, it should have been. It should, you have, know? Been. It should have been. Then they, they bring Chappie back from the Chappie. dead. And it's like, yeah, so now we can have a part two. It was so unbelievable. You know, I was like, he watches Iron Eagle all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many times I've watched that movie growing up. <laughs> I'm ashamed to admit that, but it's true. <laughs> No, it's, it's, you know, certain movies you end up just watching a lot when you're a kid. Once again, I watched King Solomon's Minds probably 50 times when I was a kid. <laughs> I mean, honestly, and it's just like, you look back and it's like, what, what was I thinking? That's like a hundred hours of my life. I'll never get Seriously. back. I was the same way with like the last Starfighter. Like I was like, watch oh, that constantly, that. man. Yes. Oh man. I just thought that was the coolest. How cool is that? Movie. And, you know, everything about that movie, of everything. course, was, was just cool when you're that age, you know, a guy who's amazing at video games. And, you, and you're just like, finally, a movie that depicts how useful video it's games can be. <laughs> 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 the practical use of a video game. Yeah. Well, everything about that movie was cool. The video game is a, is actually a simulator, and you know. Uh, anyway, every, everything is cool. I just love that that movie, and 
Um, yeah, you know, movies like that, you know, when you're a kid, you just, you just, I, I try to never judge my kids about what they love yeah. because I remember what I loved when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we love the same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? and, 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 you know, so like when my kids are listening to some terrible music and they're cranking it and, and you know, it's hurting my ears. And I just remember, you know, well, you know, I mean, there was a time in my life when I thought new kids on the block were really yeah, cool. I did. So, <laughs> you know, and I was doing the dance. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. so, you know, you just you just let kids be kids and you let um, their heads get filled with imagination. Uh, I do try to steer my kids toward knowing the difference between good and bad. And helping them see that there's junk food and there's healthy food, right? Right. And 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 you can love both, and you can love one more than the other. And and there's all different levels of junk food too. One of my favorite junk foods is peanut butter M and M's. Oh, that's good. Those things are trash. <laughs> all right. I'm just talking about on a quality level. True, but it tastes you know? delicious. Exactly. You know. So. I, 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 I just, you know, if you were to ask me, you know, are peanut butter M&Ms good in a philosophical sense, I would say absolutely not. In no way are peanut butter M&Ms good, but I like them. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so you just have to allow that within yourself and within others. Uh, and at the same time, try to teach yourself and, and help, especially if you're raising children, help them see the yeah. difference. Between a peanut butter M M&M and M and and you know, <laughs> a you know what's funny? We're like you know, doing the... the same exact thing to each other to our kids and stuff. Like I am like crushing my daughter on uh, '80s movies, and uh, <laughs> I know it sounds like you're doing the same thing, man. You know, it's like, and I'm like, you know, what we're gonna watch tomorrow Adventures in Babysitting. I'm telling oh, you, Elizabeth Shue, you're gonna be so into this movie. My daughter's like, yay, this is gonna be amazing. Meanwhile, I'm like pumped because I want to go back and watch these things, you know. Yeah. It's it, they're they're so much fun. So my kids the other day, they watched something on Amazon. I think it's called My Spy. It's a new Amazon original movie. Have you seen a commercial no. for that? It's, well, wait, it's is it that... Dave Batista? Is he like Exactly. Oh, okay, That's who yeah. it is. So I had no interest in that. They watched it on their own. I went and did something <laughs> else, you know. And I, I asked them how it was later. And, you know, some of them enjoyed it, you know, and even the ones who didn't, who, who knew it was terrible, enjoyed it on some level. You know, there's some level of enjoyment happening, even, even though they knew it was really bad. And I actually walked in in the last maybe five minutes and I was seeing kind of the climactic action taking place. And it was just so bad. And to me, the action was so boring and there was nothing exciting happening at all. Well, interestingly, about a month or two ago, I had showed my kids Kindergarten Cop. Oh. Which, which for me is the pinnacle of tough action movie star starring alongside kids in, a, in an action comedy. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's ever been done better than that. I don't think, you know, many have tried. Everyone's failed. You know, and and for me, looking at this, this was kind of like a similar deal of, you know, the Dave Bautista kind trying to get yeah. into that, 
And I was telling that to my kids. I said, every big hulking action movie star tries to make this transition. You know, Arnold did it, uh, you know, and then Sly Stallone tried to do it. Um, uh, Even people like Vin Diesel tried to do it, you know. Whatever he did with the kids. It was Um, a terrible movie. Oh, yeah, you know. And so everybody failed except Arnold. Arnold was the only person who actually made a legit, amazing, great, movie it's so good in that in that thing and my kids totally recognized that there was like oh yeah kindergarten cop was so much better <laughs> than this my spy garbage <laughs> you know and and you know apologies to dave Batchis and all these people who worked on the movie I, you know congratulations to you you you, you made something but you know <laughs> i'm just saying when you compare it you know, it, it's apples of course, to rotten it's not apples, even close. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. So, well, yeah. It's, and, and it's so interesting to see that, you know, some people just crack the code. And, and they can't repeat it. Arnold Schwarzenegger didn't try to make a kindergarten cop, too. Oh, that would have he been didn't bad. Say, they, no yeah. way, man. He didn't, and he didn't try to say, I'm going to keep doing this over and over again, you know. He's like, no, I did this. Move on. And, uh, but, you know, he just, he, he, but he was able to, to do these things. I was, I was relating that to my kids, you know, in that same conversation, you know, he's like, and he did, you know, twins, which to me is one of the best comedies starring a Very big action movie. star. Once again, you know, the idea of Arnold and DeVito together as twin brothers. I mean, <laughs> just the ideas, comic gold in and of right. itself <laughs> and putting those two talents together, who are both, whether you like their movies or not, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an extremely enjoyable personality. Yes. yes. So whether you think he can actually act or not, whether you think his movies are good or not, he's a captivating, enjoyable personality right. on screen. And then you know, couple that with Danny DeVito, who is the quintessential scene stealer. Right. You know, he's, he's, he's never, I don't think he's ever been in a movie or in a scene where all eyes aren't on Danny DeVito. So, yeah. So, you know, put those two together. You got, you got gold, man. Remember that movie where Arnold was pregnant? (laughs) You know, what's really funny. That wasn't a good movie, man. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, it's really funny because I avoided seeing that. I've never seen you. You didn't watch it. I've never seen it. Don't watch it. Seriously. You know, Simon, I've learned this about you. You go back and try to watch things. <laughs> I'm warning you now. I'm warning you, Don't dude. Do it. Don't watch Junior. You'll be so disappointed. You'll be like, no, oh. I saw it in the movies too. No. Yeah. <laughs> I wasted my time. <laughs> yeah. Even when I was, you know, young, once again, I was like, nope. And, you know, everybody has kind of their their downfall. You know, I mean, Arnold really, he hit a slippery slope at some point. You know, he did, what was it, like End of Days? and Oh, yeah. There was another one about cloning. What was that one about oh, cloning? Oh, that was the, uh, that's, it was either like the seventh day or something like something that. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched every single movie. Sixth day. Every, every sixth single day. movie. Yep. Sixth day, yeah. Yeah, I, I went and saw that in the theater. Me too, I, I, man. I was, I was beside myself with how bad that movie was. <laughs> Are we like clones? We might be yeah. clones. <laughs> <laughs> with twins. With, with, with twins, man. <laughs> we might be clones. We're like we're sitting there watching so, the same great 80s movies and bad 80s, 90s movies. Yeah. 
<laughs> oh, give it a shot. Why not? Yeah, you know. <laughs> Gen- generally having the same opinion of all of them. As no, well, seriously, really man. Funny. I'm like, is yeah. there a movie? I'm like thinking in my mind. Oh, I watched this. I bet Simon has no clue about this. You're like, oh yeah, I know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we, we probably do all well in a trivia night. We should do one of those yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> '80s movies trivia nights or something like that. You oh know? yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I remember, I remember like a big thing that really crushed me. Kind of was like. Because I was really into Predator. I was like, oh, this is an incredible Arnold movie, man. It's just incredible. And they're like, they're doing mm-hmm. part two, but Arnold's not going to be in it. I was like, why? No. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, thank goodness he avoided that movie. <laughs> I was like, so bad. Yeah. Yeah. That one, you know, and oh, man, what's his name? Uh, blanking on it. He's, Danny Glover he plays... was in it, man. It was like... Well, I love Danny Glover, and I don't blame him for, for the movie right. being bad. It was a bad script. And the uh, villainous government agents (laughs) were headed by, what's his name? Um, He's a fascinating guy. Oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name I can't remember the guy's name. He is the same guy from um, uh, Point Break. He's the older detective partner to Keanu Reeves. Oh my gosh, what's his name? Um, He's so famous. And I'm totally blanking on his name. Uh, Gary Busey. Oh, Gary Busey. He's nuts, man. (laughs) So, I mean, but (laughs) I actually think he's like a a great artist as well. I think he's he's somebody who just takes his craft super seriously. But he's miscast in so many things. You know, what's he, do- what's he doing in a Terminator movie? Why is he, you know, some, you know, but you know, when, when he's in the right role, like, I, I love him in point break. I think he's oh, perfect. great. Do you love him as Drake Savage and the Tommy? Boy movies and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> I never forget. I watch this. You ever watch something and you just like, you just lose it. You're laughing so hard. He's yes. like a Drake Savage. He's like, wait till I go to your mama's house and start a small fire in her panties. And I lost it when he said that. <laughs> I was rolling around the floor. My wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, honestly, that was hilarious. <laughs> He's like, yeah. So I think Gary Busey in the right role is, you know, he's he's just amazing. There's there's actors out there like they're so eccentric, and I think they take them themselves and their craft so seriously. That unless they're, you know, Nicolas Cage is probably one of those guys, you know, in the right role, in the right movie, Nicolas Cage is the best actor out there. And in the wrong role, in the wrong movie, he's the worst actor on the planet. <laughs> did we text about this, about Nick Cage? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, I think we must have. <laughs> we because... did, because I told you I saw him at the movie theaters one time in Vegas. That's I'm, right. Yeah. That's right. He looked terrible, by the way. I mean, he just looked, <laughs> he looked like he was like completely out of it like he had just wandering around aimlessly and i was like that's nick cage and i just like gave him the nod and walked into the movie theater and i was like eh, a lot of like bad movies the last 10 like, years <laughs> yeah, wandering around aimlessly <laughs> paycheck to paycheck seriously he's taking some really bad movies man you know yeah and and you know work dries up for people and i and yeah. i never want to judge people too harshly you know for making something that is is a paycheck, you know, and, and e- even the best actors out there that I respect, you know, so much, uh, they they do a lot just just for the paycheck. You know, I remember hearing about Michael Keaton doing Batman part two because 
he wanted that big paycheck for some real estate deal or something. Oh, really? Um, yeah. What happened you with know, multiplicity I mean, or whatever? I, <laughs> I <know. laughs> what was that for? Oh, man. Uh, hopefully something similar. Yeah. <laughs> I think you get to a you know a, a stage in your ability to you know your marketability where that takes over your creative you know ability where it's like oh well I could I could do you know if I'm Michael Keaton you know I could do another you know uh interesting movie <laughs> you know I could take, I could take on you know an interesting challenging project or i could make 10 million dollars on this one <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and if you if you were to ask me you know the same question i'd be like well i'm a sellout man i'd, I'd sell out in a heartbeat <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> you like, mean i you mean i need to film for you know i need to be on set for three months and you're gonna and and maybe like fly around and do talk shows and stuff like that for another month and then you're gonna pay me 10 million bucks Okay. And you know it's going to be bad. Like, this is going to be a bad movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting to hear actors who have talked about when they know a movie is going to be bad. I'm, I'm thinking of one. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think of who it was. It might have been Christopher Walken. Uh, I can't remember now. But one of these more, more um, you know, experienced right. actors who's been around a long time and, and somebody asked him, at what point do you think, you know, a movie is going to be bad? Uh, you know, you, you, you just kind of realize this isn't, this isn't going where it's supposed to be. Cause I think most actors are in that situation where they read a script. It has promise, you know, they, they see it, the director's work who, you know, they've, what they've done before. And they're like, okay, I, I think I can trust this guy. I think I can work with these people, you know, and it's going to be good. So at what point, you know, but at some point in the production, you're like, I don't know if this is going in the right direction, you know, and, and they were, this person was being asked that. And they said, it's when they tell me how good the dailies are looking. Really? Yeah. They're like, oh, man, you know, you ask, you know, you ask, OK, how do you think things are going? And they'll say the dailies are looking great. <laughs> That's the bar. <laughs> you know? He's like, oh, no, this isn't going well. Oh, wow. Uh, uh, something to be said for that, you know, a, a, a movie that um, when when maybe there the the conversation isn't steered toward, you know, oh, this is going to be so emotionally impactful, or this is going to be so powerful, or your performances, the performances are, are just coming out so brilliantly. Instead, they're saying. Well, the cinematography looks good. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, the quality of the cinematography is <laughs> is is uh, on par with what we need yeah. for a, a you know a theatrical release. Is kind of I think what they're saying when they say the dailies look great. <laughs> oh <laughs> you know? my gosh! Wow. So I, I but I think there's something to be said for that. You know, if you're not struggling in your in your medium. So when I'm recording any of these albums or any of these songs individually. If you were to stop me halfway through, it's going to sound like trash. The dailies don't sound good, my friend. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to if you were to take apart these songs piece by piece, you'd probably hear a. You'd probably hear me play a lot of wrong notes. Um, <laughs> probably, you know. But I, I'm just saying, like the tracks individually 
they're some of them are, are good, I'm sure, but a lot of them are just they're they're probably they don't sound good, you know, on their own. They 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 need to work together cohesively. They need to struggle with one another within that mixing process of of after I've recorded everything of me just kind of struggling and pushing things and saying, you know, you're going to fit in there whether you like it or not. And you know, right. That's that's the when when things finally start to come to to gel and come together in the end of that process that's when i i think i know i've done something worth something <laughs> well see it's so weird though it's kind of like i always am very into like you remember that behind the music that whole thing like yeah bh1 VH1. behind the music i was like yeah. so into that man because i yeah. like to understand the creation of something and i always think to myself was okay it was music maybe like how do you produce something that, let's say, an album that's you know lauded as like one of the greatest of all time, whatever that is, and you say, dude, the, did the artist know that was going to be that big? That, that did they finish it and go, oh man, Dark Side of the Moon, this may be one of the greatest things ever produced. I don't know that they know that. Like, I mean, if it if, would probably drive them crazy if they did, right? Like you're like you're you're like oh Darian, I seen the liner notes of this trash that I was working. I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't even understand you when you're t- selling me these things like that. You know, I mean, we agree. I mean, you know, some movies are really bad, but I'm like, no, no, I'm not seeing the same thing you're seeing. But you're the creator, and you're very yeah. clearly you're very hard on yourself on these things. But if it's like amazing. How does everybody know it's amazing? You know, like. Yeah, you know, I, 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 if you're creating it yourself and you think it's just amazing, either probably, and there, you know, there's levels, but probably one of two things are happening. One, you're either a supremely honest individual who can actually, you know, tell what's good and what's bad and what you're creating, which I think is so extremely rare. The other thing, which I think the other option here, which I think is a lot more common is that you're an egotistical prima donna maniac and you (laughs) think everything you do is just the most amazing thing and everything everybody else has, has done is trash and everybody should be paying attention to you. And why does anybody listen to anybody else? You know? (laughs) So, yeah. Um, and I'm one of those people who's, who, who I'm, I'm very realistic with myself, even if I'm not realistic. Like I say, I, I I probably don't give myself enough credit. I probably don't give my work enough credit. But at the same time, I recognize the work of others. I recognize that I'm not Mozart, Beethoven, you know, Bach, Handel. I, I you know, I'm not any of that. You know, I, I'm I'm not that thing. I'm this guy with a guitar and a keyboard, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> some songs and I have a, an extreme passion for it and I love it. If if there's some genius there, I'm grateful for it, but I may, I, I'm able to be realistic and say, this is what I am and this is what I'm not. Yeah. I think there's a lot of genius there. I'm not just saying that because, you know, we're friends and stuff, but like, <clears throat> it's like really good. It's, it's <laughs> okay. like, I get sent a lot of stuff, man. You know, and not always good, man. I'm telling you, I'm like, I'm trying to be nice, but it's not, you know, you never, it's just, it's like really good. And I, it's just, 
I think you have a real way about creating. This is my version of your music. This is how I sense it. It's 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 cinematic to me. It's a uh, kind of a perpetual soundtrack, in my in my opinion. And uh, Thank you. I'm very attracted to that. Like I say, but that for me. I grew up listening to soundtrack music. My dad is a gigantic soundtrack music person. Like, he sees a movie, I got to get the soundtrack for that. We have to yeah. get the soundtrack. So I like that was like bred into me. Like, hey, check out the soundtrack. Blah blah blah. I mean, like literally the other day, I was training somebody, and I was like, I must listen to the Tron Legacy soundtrack. I just have to do this. While I'm doing it. Now, I, don't know, stuff. I don't know a lot of people who are like down with the Tron legacy sound yeah. like Daft Punk. And you know, it's like, <laughs> but if you like listen to it, it's masterful. It is like, it's the movie and yeah. in, in, yeah. in music form. It's literally, you can imagine every scene in the movie with the music and take, take away the soundtrack for most classic, amazing right. movies. And you you completely transform. You take away all the heart and soul out of yes. most of these movies. And your music, to me, is the soundtrack to an some movie. I don't know what it is, but like you could place it in some movie. And it's Alan Quartermain in the no, no, City of no, Gold. No, no. Don't tell your reputation. <laughs> <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's honestly beautiful. I'm like, man, there's there's a lot of heart and there's a lot of strangeness to it. Which I'm just so into like strange stuff. So anything that sounds electronic, uh, atmospheric, uh, from another planet, I need a lot of that. I need like a whole heaping of that. Well, I'm excited for this next album, man. I I don't want to give it away. Don't give it away. I yeah I I tried to. So I don't know what my we 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 talked about this before. How I there are certain genres I think I want to do you know, uh, types of albums that I want to do in this project. However, such as I thought the next album I was going to do, I wanted to do something way different. So I thought maybe I was going to do a Johnny Cash-ish country album kind of a thing. Interesting. That was going to be my way of just throwing everything out, you know, that I had previously done and saying, okay, here we go. Um, However... As I was making this album, EOS, uh, I realized where I wanted to go with the next one. And I don't think it's a genre that you would have thought I might attempt. Huh. Oh, now you <laughs> got I, me going. But, but I dropped hints. I, I, I tried to drop hints in the album um, uh, about where it's going. Um for me, sitting on a rainbow was kind of a hint, but um, oh. the last track on the album, the the break mm-hmm. after the second chorus or whatever, uh, the last track from Oceanus to the end yeah. of the world, there's a break in there where it slows down and everything. For me, that was me trying to drop a hint about where I'm I'm going next. Um, very exciting. So, Honestly, it's so, very exciting. I'm serious, man. I'm, like, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I'm not saying that because we're talking and I'm trying to get people to listen. That has nothing to do with that. I, I'm not. I'm no sellout when it comes to that. I'm like, you know. But I, I really respect your craft and 
and how you create and what you create. And I get excited to hear this stuff, man. I'm like, I'm just playing it. Like I know after this, I'm actually going to be shooting some hoops outside of my little basketball hoop thing. And I'm going to like be playing it in my earbud, uh, sitting on a rainbow nice. because I'm that into it, man. And then I'm going to just start playing the rest of the album <laughs> because I seriously, my life's like a soundtrack. I like to like do things and play soundtrack music and it makes me feel like excited and brave to do things. I'm like, oh, I'm doing things. Now watch this Hans Zimmer. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> right. You know, I always, uh, 99% of the time when I go out to, to just take photographs and stuff, I put good headphones on and I'm normally listening to something like Ravel yeah. or something, you know, so, yeah. something where very impressionistic or, or something like that, where I, it just puts me in that artistic mindset. Yeah. Uh, once again, th these are people who thought outside the box to me and 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 helped me just get in that mindset of uh, not just taking a photograph, but finding an interesting photograph mm. to take. Something I like the in photography. I love the term capture. You're capturing a photograph you're capturing at this moment in time you're capturing light is what you're really doing with a camera and i i just love that term i'm not going out there to just take a picture or record this moment in time i'm, I'm going out there to try and capture something i'm hunting for something it's beautiful <clears throat> i mean that's really beautiful it's, it's just so rewarding man honestly it's just a very rewarding process going through this with you on some level. Obviously, I'm not there like in your studio and listening to you make these things, but it's just really nice to like connect with someone and, you know, have these kind of like funny text sessions in between the month and, <laughs> you know, it makes me laugh and building a friendship. And I was saying that to another one of my upcoming guests that, you know, for me, uh, this whole process of making a podcast is like meeting a lot of people. And then every once in a while you hit, you hit a special home run where one of those people becomes a good friend of yours. And I yes. consider that that's what happened with you and I, for me, at least on my end. I mean, I can't speak for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence, but I can, <laughs> well, I can you know, see what listen, you're saying. I told you I was going to suspend our friendship if you <laughs> if you watch Alan Quartermain, man. <laughs> <laughs> Serious, man. Don't watch it. <laughs> it's, a fragile, it's a fragile friendship. Very fragile. But it's there. It's, it's, there. <laughs> it's like glass, man. It's on a glass bridge. You know, but that's the beautiful thing about these things. And I guess I was just telling my wife because sometimes for her, it can be difficult to find friendship, especially in today's world. And I said, she doesn't sound like a very nice person. <laughs> <laughs> She's like this awesome person. I said, you know, you got to extend yourself regularly and you got to, you got to, it's kind of like you may talk to 30, 40, 50 people, but the expectation is not everybody's going to become a certain level of friend with you, like really deep. But every once in a while, you're going to get a shooting star and it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense the moment you start talking to that person and you're going to feel that synergy and you're going to be like, I need more of that person in my life. And it just makes sense. And I know this sounds very sappy and stuff, but I'm, I'm a very, I'm very open with how I feel about people. I just like to tell people stuff. And like, I felt that immediately with you. I was like, I got to know this guy. I just, I have to know this person. <laughs> I got to be in tune with this person. We got a similar thing going. There's something going on. Yes. 
Yeah, I think it's uh, part of that's being uh, empathetic. I, th- I think you know you're kind of an empath personality. Uh, you you get a sense for people pretty quickly, yeah. and I feel I feel like I get a pretty good sense for people uh, uh, fairly quickly. And uh, part of that is I'm always myself, how I am with you, and mm-hmm. you know the the level of, of humor and and whatever it is I I, I bring to it, and, and and honesty. You know, I try to bring that. I I think it comes pretty naturally to me, but I bring that to every first encounter. And I've had a lot of people who've become very good friends of mine tell me, you know, when I first met you, I thought you were a real a hole. <laughs> you know? Why? I don't... Uh, because I would just say things, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I would just, and and they would probably come off the things I would say might come off as rude, inappropriate, irreverent, you know. Uh, but then they get to know me, and they know that uh, I'm actually a pretty nice guy. I, I just. Uh, I, I just amuse myself. <laughs> yeah, but I, I like, like to that. amuse myself by saying ridiculous things. I picked up on that immediately, and I, I think that I think for me, what sticks out is that you know I'm talking to tons of people all the time doing this podcast. You know, four episodes a week, and uh, lots of wonderful people. But I think sometimes people struggle to be their the person they are behind closed doors with me initially. Yes, and it takes them time to like warm up. It's like a big warm up. And we get 30 minutes in, I'm like, oh, there you are. There yeah. you are. There's Here's the person. There was none of that with you. It was like, one minute in. <laughs> and I am very drawn to people like that. Because that's how I am. I'm like, this is what you're getting, man. The second yeah, this thing you know, drops. you know. What's really funny, my wife, I think, is drawn to me for that purpose. And she's also repulsed by <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's great when we're alone. It's terrible when we're with other people. Like Simon, no, no. <laughs> Take it down, Notch. Take it down. Yeah. yeah. And I, you know, I admit it. I, you know, I sometimes say things that, yeah, that was too far. But, <laughs> but it was funny. It was yeah. really funny. <laughs> it was really funny, man. Yeah. You know, some of my kids are kind of like the PC police around here. Oh, I see. And, and you know, I am 100%, you know, support of every good cause out there that you can name, whether it's BLM or whether it's, I, you know, I am, am 100% in and, and love it, but that doesn't take away that. But that for me, that's what makes it funny to say something that is maybe pseudo masochistic or, you know, racist or something, something that would be racist if it came out of a racist person's mouth, but because I, I'm saying it because, because I know it's not true. Yeah. That's what makes it funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> or it is true. And that's what makes it really funny. Right. Right. You know, it's like, uh, so my family has, you know, I grew up Mormon, my family on my mother's side, they're Mormon all the way back to Joseph Smith, right. that era. So nothing delights me more than making fun of Mormons. <laughs> nothing delights me more than a great joke at the expense of Mormons. Yeah, yeah. Because I know what's true and what's not true. Um, and being in it for all my life, you know? I mean, when you're in something for that, for that much, you know... You, 
if you don't have a sense of humor about it, I don't know what's wrong with you. Yeah. If you can't, if you're, if, if, if you're a Mormon and you don't enjoy plural marriage jokes, then man, <laughs> I don't know. Something wrong with you. Something might be wrong with you. Because that's some funny stuff, man. <laughs> uh completely against it yeah <laughs> <laughs> just like i'm completely against racism of course but the, some of those jokes are hilarious and if you can't laugh at them then you know it's just uh, you're taking life and yourself and everybody around you way too seriously the essence of of, of comedy is is it, it's tragedy for somebody else yeah. right yeah. slapstick comedy you're laughing at somebody slipping on the banana peel you know you're 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 laughing at, you know, if you're if you're watching a show like Seinfeld, you're you're laughing at the terrible situations they get themselves into. Uh, you know, they're kind of shallow, terrible people, and you know, they get a lot of their comeuppance and stuff like that. And you're laughing about it. You're laughing at them as much as with them. And you know, you just gotta be able to do that with yourself and 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 with everybody around you. And uh so my kids anyway, man, they sometimes they don't sometimes they don't laugh at my jokes. And they're just like, uh, wow, know. dad. Wow. <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> yeah. Not, not PC, dad. Not PC. <laughs> and it's like, I know that's what made it funny. Exactly. If I, if I would have said it PC, it wouldn't have been funny. It would have been boring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I tell you, what a treasure. What a, what a uh, fun time chatting with you every time. I genuinely look forward to it, seriously. <laughs> and then the texting between and, and all that it's uh it's Me just too, man yeah man seriously i and en- i enjoy it tremendously and uh thank you for coming on again and uh you know we're gonna continue to do this and for the fans out there or people who are listening uh this is not gonna end when simon is done with his albums oh, we got some plans right. baby that's right we do have some plans <laughs> You might not like it, but we got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we've given you secrets through every episode of what it's going to be. <laughs> it's <laughs> we drop secrets. Okay? Yeah, people are either going to love us or hate us. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, but yeah, I, I told my wife Shannon about some of our our plans here, and she's just like, "Oh my gosh." <laughs> Like, why? <laughs> she just like rolling why? her eyes. And I was telling her, I said, you know, there's a big audience for that kind of conversation. Oh big time. See, you know, teasing. I don't. Right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even look for these things on, on YouTube or whatever. You know, normally when I go on YouTube, I'm, I'm watching highlights from the last NBA game, you know, yeah. and, and I'm watching like inside the NBA, you know, clips and stuff like that. But time and time again, I, I constantly get uh, clips of the kind of conversations that you and I are planning on having, yeah. and and I'll click on them now and then, you know, and and, and I'll see, wow, this thing has a lot of views, you know, this yeah. kind of conversation is extremely popular. So, yeah, that'll be fun, man. It's coming, man. Well, thank you so much for your time, and uh, uh, you know, we'll be in touch, of course. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'll be texting you. Yeah, we'll be texting. I think I need All to right, send man. you a photo here right after we're done. Yeah, send me a, send me one of those gifts or whatever it is. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Awesome. Cool. Hey, thanks a lot.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Dr. D's Social Network. Make sure you listen to future episodes. Also, please make sure to rate and review My Dad's Show on Apple Podcasts in the Rate and Review section. Thanks, everyone.